on the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Matt Pauley. A good evening. Welcome in. It is time for Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. Great to have you with us. Our first edition of the program and the 2020 baseball calendar year. Like, you know, you talk about the fiscal year, the baseball year, the calendar has kind of flipped over as pitchers and catchers have reported baseball activities are taking place in Arizona. Before you know it, they're going to be playing spring training games. And then before you know it, after that, it's going to be opening day at Miller Park. Really uh, looking forward to that. And a lot of question marks, and I'll say this about question marks. If you got a lot of question marks about a team, you also have a lot of storylines about a team, and uh, we're going to be getting into many of those here on this program as we continue to lead in to the regular season. If you do want to get in contact with us over the course of the next hour, you can do so. Find me on Twitter and tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. That's Matt Pauley on air. Or you can call or text into the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620 that's 855-616-1620 that's how you get in contact with us uh, via text messaging all right so let's uh get this thing rolling with this week's edition of three up three down it's time for three up three down three things from the past week that are trending in the right direction and the three things the crew needs to work on Let's get to number one as pitchers and catchers reporting. So that's number that, that's, one. Yeah, there it is. That's it. That's number one. Pitchers and catchers have reported. And that's all that really matters at this point. Baseball is back. Baseball is being played, some version of it. Baseball activities, at least. That makes me a very, very, very happy person. So we're not going to go too deep on this one. Baseball's back. Number two. So one of the questions, and we're going to devote an entire segment to this coming up later on in the show, Corbin Burns, is he back? Uh, There were some interesting things that he said to the media today. We'll pass those along later on in the program. To me, as I look look at the potential success of this team, one of the big wild cards and one of the big individuals that can really help determine if this team plays as well as they think they can play is – how much you get out of Corbin Burns. And we we don't know. Last year, he was not good at all. The year before that, working out of the bullpen, he was really good. We thought he was going to be a starter last year. What his role is going to be, how much time will be at the major leagues, how much time at AAA, starter, like we don't know. But I'm really optimistic about what's going to happen with him. And I think what he said today certainly can uh, lend some credibility to the fact that uh, he might just be turning back around and putting last year in the rearview mirror. Number three. Yeah, I want to get into this a little bit. There's going to be a new kind of cool area to be able to watch uh, Brewers games this year at uh, at Miller Park out in left field. Uh, the Brewers did an announcement with uh, Molson Coors, and you might not hear Miller in there if, from a business standpoint. It's the same company, but they changed the name. They took Miller out of it from a, from a corporate standpoint. It was kind of like a, a good thing and a bad thing because Milwaukee – got a bunch more jobs out of it but they also took miller out of the official corporate deal but that's neither here nor there anyways uh miller parent company morrison Coors, they've got a, a long-term deal to remain uh the official beer of miller park 
but also a new uh, kind of cool area out in left field is going to be there. It's going to be um, there is going to be some seats that you can be at, but there's standing room as well. Uh, they're going to have a seven-foot Brewers logo that's going to be made of Miller Light cans. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, cold drink holders are going to be built into the rails in that area. There's going to be electronic charging stations. There's going to be HDTVs out there. Um, and if you get tickets in that area, you're going to get a uh, food and drink credit that go along with it. So uh, this is a, a cool little area out in uh, left field, and you have to appreciate how the Brewers are always trying to kind of reinvent certain areas of Miller Park to uh, keep it fresh. Strike one. Yeah, the first one on the down part of three up, three down is the Astros' credibility. Did you see that press conference earlier today? Oof, that was a bad look all the way around. We'll play some of the audio from it later on in the program. Uh, I I was most disappointed in the team owner, to be perfectly honest with you. Like I, I hold ownership to a, uh, a different standard than I'm going to hold uh, players. The players didn't look good, but owner Jim Crane looked really, really, really bad. Strike two. Going down is the Red Sox payroll. Man, they didn't want to get uh, past the luxury tax this year, so they sold off Mookie Betts and uh, David Price, and uh, they're throwing a lot around some money with them as well as the Dodgers are going to uh, get monthly installment payments from the Red Sox for a while. The Red Sox doing all this to uh, stay below the tax point where uh, you spend too much and all of a sudden you got to be able to spend some, or throw some money to uh, other major league teams. But just a bad look for the Red Sox selling off those two players and doing whatever they can to uh, stay below the luxury uh, tax threshold. But you know what? There's a lot of teams that are trying to stay below that threshold. It's just not a great look for baseball all the way around right now. Strike three, you're out. Yeah, so I know strike three, you kind of say it's supposed to be something negative. This is actually sort of positive, but it's three up, three down. So the way I'm pulling this off is down is possibly the amount of time until we see uh, Luis Urias. As uh, speaking to the media earlier today, he said he's not going to uh, rule out him being available for opening day as he comes back from surgery from a broken hamate bone. Look, I don't think he's going to be available for opening day, but the fact that he's talking about uh, maybe being available tells you that that recovery time might be even less than what we originally thought in they didn't acquire him to come be a backup player to not play a lot. They acquired him for a reason, and he was going to be a big part of this team and still has the opportunity to uh, to do so. So uh, his recovery time being a little bit less is an important part of uh, this entire spring training period as well. That is this week's edition of 3 Up, 3 Down. When we come back... He's covering the Brewers this year for the first time. He was just recently announced as the new Brewers beat writer for The Athletic. He's moving from the college football world to the Major League Baseball world. He is Will Salmon, and he joins us in just a couple minutes. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Continuing on here on WTMJ, Matt Pauley with you. We're going to go to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line right now and uh, welcome in for the first time a guy who is going to be covering the Brewers moving forward. I guess it was like a transfer inside of the athletic as uh, he was covering Florida Gators athletics and uh, now he makes the uh, switch. He is now the Brewers beat writer for the athletic. His name is Will Salmon. You can follow him on Twitter at W-I-L-S-A-M-M-O-N. Will, great to talk to you. Congratulations on the gig. Thanks for uh, taking some time with us 
Hey, Matt. Thanks so much for having me on, and thanks for the kind words. Really appreciate it. I think you, you kind of nailed it there with uh, the transfer. A little internal movement here at The Athletic, but I, I couldn't be happier in the role that I'm currently in now. You're, you left. I mean, Florida Gators athletics, you think Florida Gators football, that's a, that is a rabid fan base, and the Brewers have a great fan base as well, but, you, but you, you're leaving a, a position where you know the kind of fans you're going with, and you're moving across the country, and you're doing baseball. What led to your desire to, uh, to move into this position? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that, actually. Um, you know, baseball has always been something that was important to me. It was something that I always wanted to cover. It was a, it's was it been a lifelong dream for, for me and something that, you know, a couple of years ago I kind of put on the back burner, to be honest with you, Matt, uh, just because I was so already immersed in college football. And, uh, you know, I was covering the Florida Gators recently and for the past two years. And like you alluded to, in my opinion, that's, that's a good spot to be in for a sports journalist. I mean, covering Florida football um, in college football, it's hard to top that, really. I mean, uh, unless you're covering a national championship winner year to year. I um, mean, Florida, I would consider <clears throat> it's still a blue blood program, and it was a great place to be. But for me, growing up in New York City, um, following baseball my whole life, I would be following what would be happening in, in Milwaukee from afar if I wasn't covering the team. It was one of those type of deals. So that's, so it matters to me, and I'm just really thankful for the athletic to give me the opportunity to pursue something that I'm, I'm just so – I'm just so immersed in myself personally that I'm eager to get going, and I, I'm just thrilled to, to be in this position. Any freshman hazing yet from Hodricourt, Rosiak, McAlvey? It's a, it's, a, it's a really good group, but not, not yet as far as hazing goes. Really entertaining group, really fun group. Uh, kind of underrated in that department. I didn't know quite what I was getting into uh, with this group, but it's, it's tight-knit. Cool, and yeah, I'm, I'm thankful to be around that. We got some a really great people covering this team who have been here for a while, which is really special. So, from kind of a journalistic standpoint, what is it like when you walk into a beat for the first time? Because there's some, it, it takes a little while to build sources and get the institutional knot, like everything that goes along with that. You, you're starting from from ground zero. What's that process like for you? Yeah, it can be pretty challenging, but it's also refreshing in some aspects because I think that you should always try to be challenging yourself. I mean, when when things matter. I mean, like when things make sense to you. I mean, you're not going to uproot your family constantly or anything like that, of course, for selfish reasons or anything like that. But um, just uh, from a strictly focus of a career standpoint, to me it's always been good to do that. I, I've made a move in the past from – New York City to Auburn to Starkville, Mississippi to Gainesville to cover Florida and now to Milwaukee and each time you just try to be really genuine with what you're doing and who you are and you just try to introduce yourself to as many people as you can in this stage for me personally. The good thing about that with the Brewers is there are so many new faces on this particular team that a lot of people are coming up to me saying, hey, I mean, like, I'm new here too, so we're going through this together, so it's no big deal. You know, like so many guys because of who, whom they have acquired in the offseason. Um, you look at even just the rotation. I mean, there's like going to be three, three different guys, or at least two, I guess, uh, you know, in there uh, out of the five. So, yeah, a lot of new, newness around the team, and that kind of helps. Um, but, yeah, definitely you take the time to kind of get to know what matters. And also I think um, a good part of that is just understanding the fan base and what they crave, what they want to read about, and that really directs what I try to do. 
Will Salmon from The uh, Athletic continuing to uh, join us here on Brewers Weekly. You kind of allude to this, but also there, there's a lot of question marks about this team. Not, not as much as kind of set in stone as previous seasons. That also creates a lot of narratives and a lot of storylines. Are, are you looking forward to seeing some of these questions that are out there start to get answered? Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and, I, and I think some of the criticism that I've seen from fans, it's, it's definitely something that I understand because, hey, nobody really wants to, you know, be cutting payroll. And then you're, you're saying to yourself, like, why didn't we sign this guy? Why didn't we re-sign that guy? That sort of thing. Um, so I get that. But I also look at the other side of it, too, and I say to myself, you know, a lot of these moves have been pretty shrewd. Um, they, they do make sense. If, if you look at what the advanced stats tell you, too, on some of these guys, they do peg for, for good things or at least consistent play, if not better seasons or bounce backs in some cases. So definitely I'm eager to see how it plays out because until then people are just sort of hoping and sort of believing in what the stats tell them, and we'll see. Um, but the good thing about the Brewers and the way they operate, it looks like particularly for this year, is that they have a lot of flexibility and a lot of versatility um, so that their lineup can kind of really feature the best group of guys for that particular day against that particular pitcher. I said, that'll be cool to see. And as far as question marks go, there's, there's, there's a few question marks in the bullpen and some of um, starting rotation, of course, will have a trickle down effect into that naturally. So definitely it will be fascinating to watch um, from obviously the, the lineup's point of view and, and uh, pitching staff. You wrote an introductory column, and in it, it's clear that you're a baseball guy, and you've you've paid attention to baseball. So, as somebody who's been nowhere near Milwaukee here over the last few years, and watching what this team has done, watching the moves that David Stearns has made, what's kind of been before now when you were an outsider? What's been sort of your outsider's perspective of what the Brewers have been able to do over the course of the last two seasons? For me, it's impressive, um, and I say to myself. This is a pretty smart organization within with the way it's run, um, and that's really kind of you know it, it's kind of something that I, honestly intrigues me about this particular job, where this became a really good fit for me, just because I I just really um, appreciate just sort of like the the moves and I can go on and on about it, but I I mean just from a baseball fan point of view, like you know, Adele Garcia for instance, I think that he's going to have a pretty He's somebody that I would expect to have a you know a bigger season than maybe people think, um, based on his track record, even going back to his days in the minor leagues you know, with Detroit. So I, I have an appreciation for that sort of thing, uh, sort of finding like diamonds in the rough, if you will, or just sort of banking on what the stats tell you, because oftentimes it is correct if uh, your development is in place, which for the Brewers it looks like it has been. So. Uh, from from that perspective, like you said, an outsider's perspective, uh, I've been impressed, no doubt. It's easy to see why, and um, you have an appreciation just uh, for that aspect of it, but also and um, the clubhouse, too, because everything that I've always read over the past few years has always been about Craig Council's ability to squeeze everything out of the roster, but also keep a, a, a pretty positive of the clubhouse and a, a clubhouse that people want to join and want to remain part of. And honestly, in a couple of days, you kind of see that. Um, you see the looseness there, and you see guys genuinely uh, being around each other, talking and whatnot. So it's been good. 
Well, Will, we're looking forward to uh, reading everything that uh, that you put together there uh, at the Athletic, and uh, I look forward to meeting you once uh, once the team breaks camp and gets back here to uh, Wisconsin. So uh, enjoy the time in Arizona. It's going to be fun to uh, read everything that you've got going, and uh, we will do this, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks again for, for having me on. You bet. That's, uh, that's Will Salmon joining us again. He is the newest Brewers beat writer. He is going to be covering the team for The Athletic. I am a, I am a honk for The Athletic. I love the content uh, that they put out, uh, not just even Wisconsin-related. You look at some of the national writers they have, or if you have interest in uh, what's going on in some other markets, it's uh, it, to me, it's worth the money. I'm not trying to tell anybody how to spend their money, but to me, it is uh, absolutely worth the money that uh, that I spend on it on, uh, on an every-month basis. So we appreciate Will taking some time. And again, you can uh, follow him on Twitter if you would like. His uh, Twitter handle is at Will Salmon, Salmon spelled S A M M O N. All right, we will uh, take a break. When we return, we're going to start getting into some of these question marks and uh, some of the uh, the different storylines and narratives coming out of the first day of camp as pitchers and catchers have reported today was the uh, first workout for those guys. We'll continue on. If you want to join in on the Brewers conversation, you can call or text into the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Or tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T. T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Continuing on here on a Thursday evening, if you want to join the program, you can do so by calling or texting into the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Or find me on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Something to keep an eye on here over the next day or two, uh, Josh Hader having his arbitration hearing with the Brewers. I hate arbitration, by the way. I hate arbitration. I hate everything that happens in an arbitration hearing I don't think I, I don't think it's going to happen in this case but the way it is set up you literally have to listen to your employer tell people why you're not worth the amount of money that you want to get paid it is just a it's a horrendous process and the fact that there has to be a winner and a loser that the the panel has to say either the team wins and you're going to be paid X amount of dollars or the player wins and you're going to be paid Y amount of dollars. There's no like wiggle room for the panel to be able to say, well, we'll, we'll find a spot in the middle. There, it's, it's, it's either or. It's a winner and a loser. It's the team telling people how bad a player is. It's just a horrible situation. I hate it. There might not be there's, – there's a bunch of things that bother me in baseball, but I, I don't know if there's anything that I dislike more uh, than the arbitration process just because of what it makes players go through. Uh, we should get an answer here in the next few days. Hater wanted $6.4 million. Brewers countered at $4.1 million. On paper, I think Hader wins it, but so far this year, I don't know if the I don't know if a player has won an arbitration. I think maybe one player has won. It's a, the the teams keep winning time after time after time, and the conspiracy theorists out there are going to tell you that the process is a sham and it's already you know slanted towards the owners. I I, I don't know about all that, but. It's, I just don't like it. I don't like it at all. And how this plays out with Josh Hader is something that's worth keeping an eye on as, I mean, to me, I kind of hope he wins it because I feel like 
he's wor- he's he's arguably the best relief pitcher in the National League. So six point four million dollars doesn't seem like all that. And you know he's it's a first time arbitration eligible sort of thing. There's other there's other items that uh, go into it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that we'll find out here in the next day or two what's happening right there. Uh, we will uh, welcome in a phone call if you want to get involved. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's eight five five six one six one six twenty. One of our favorites, Doug in Baraboo, is with us. Hey, Doug, we are on WTMJ. Hey, good evening, Matt. Good to hear you. Say, uh, yeah, I, I understand the uh, the new pitching rule. You know, with you know, if you have to face three pitchers or finish the inning, whatever. But the one that I'm not totally clear on, and I'm sure you would know, is they're talking about like a two way player that would come out if he's pitched like uh, like 20 innings in the past, or and then or he started 20 games, he gets it doesn't count. Uh, against him in that situation, if I got that right, then what are they trying to do? Eliminate a guy that sits on the bench and then just comes in in a blowout game and and finishes it up. You know, like Perez would come out. Uh, you know, when, when there was if we were way ahead or way behind and get out there and have fun on the mound with his Warren Spawn kick and all that. Am I missing something, or is that what they're trying to do there? So, I mean, I, I think the the idea behind it is just to try to hurry the game up with less pitching changes so you're not going, you know, one guy for a lefty, one guy for a righty, another guy for a lefty. Uh, if there is injury or illness that is going to prevent a pitcher from being able to finish out the uh, the three batters, that's that's a situation where they, they would come out. Uh, as far as what you're talking about in terms of, you know, whether some guys are are immune from that rule, Doug, I got to be, there is the two-way player designation. That's an official designation. So where that really plays out is they would then uh, not count towards the team's 13-pitcher limit. So that has more to do with the new roster uh, designation with 26 players on the roster this year instead of 25. They are going to uh, limit your pitchers on a roster to... Uh, 13, but if you do have a player who can be uh, a position player and a pitcher, they would not count against your pitcher. So does that answer the question? Is that what you were asking me? Uh, I think that's I think that's what's getting getting to that. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know what I'm talking about, where Perez would come in in a blowout and uh, he would, he would uh, you know, finish the game off. Yeah, would, so to get this, uh, to get the yeah, to get the criteria to be a two-way player, you have to have pitched at least 20 innings in the majors and also start at least 20 games as a position player or DH. So that's where uh, that's where you get that status, and then you would not count as you know that really doesn't impact position players. There's no limit on how many position players you can carry. There's only a limit on number of pitchers you can carry, which is 13. So where that would really impact things is if you have a relief pitcher who can also play uh, a position, and if that individual has started at least 20 games uh, as a position player, where they bat three or more times in those games. That's that's another. Another really important part of this, you have to get three at-bats or three plate appearances in those 20 games that you start to not count against the 13-player limit. Okay, there we go. Got that. Yep. Hey, you know, this is this baseball is getting really technical, you know, with this uh, biometrics or, or biomechanics, whatever they call it, the EMG, and then the 
and with this fifth and the fielder and everything and, and, and war, it's hard to keep up on this. I'm still trying to get them to get that OPS off the scoreboard and get the average on the right side so us old fans can uh, know what the guy's batting average is each time he comes up. Yeah, and I appreciate the phone call, Doug. That's a losing battle for you. I hate to tell you that is a losing battle because – that's the number one way that the Brewers, I think, evaluate uh, position players, at least from kind of like a public evaluation standpoint, not counting what they've got going on behind closed doors and the way that they're evaluating players from, a, from an outward standpoint. OPS is the number one kind of evaluation tool. And again, OPS is a combination of on-base and slugging. So what it tells you is how often a guy gets on base and when they are getting on base, how many bases they're getting per. So it's a, it's a perfect combination of those two things because those are the two things you value how often you can get on base and when you get on base uh, how many bases you're getting so that's that's the evaluation and i think the brewers it's almost like an educational thing for the fanboy at base they're trying to say this is how we evaluate players so this is why we're putting uh ops up on the board and it's not going to change. I can tell you that it is not going to change. If you want to join the program, you can do so. 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. We'll go deep next here on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Continuing on on a Thursday night, a big program. The first workout being held today in Arizona with pitchers and catchers. A number of position players have already rolled in. They will continue to roll in. Their uh, official report is coming up next week, and then end of next week is when the first spring training game is set to be played. We're going to step away from the Brewers for a moment, but... Uh, As we go into this week's edition of Going Deep, we're going to talk about what everybody is talking about in the world of baseball. Whether the Brewers are winning or losing, a player is on a hot streak or slumping, there's always a reason why. Here's this week's in-depth look at the current state of the Brewers as we go deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! Yeah, so I'm taking some editorial privileges with this week's edition of Going Deep because we're not going to be really getting into the Brewers stuff, but rightfully so, because the biggest story, I wouldn't say not just in uh, in baseball, but the biggest story in sports was the press conference that was held today by the Houston Astros as it was their opportunity to apologize for what happened during the cheating scandal. So uh, Alex Bregman and uh, Jose Altuve each spoke to the media. Here's a little piece of what uh, they had to say. I am really sorry about the choices that were made by my team, by the organization, and by me. I have learned from this, and I hope to regain the trust of baseball fans. I would also like to thank the Astros fans for all of their support. We as a team are totally focused on moving forward to the 2020 season. That was Alex Bregman. Here's Jose Altuve. We especially feel remorse for the impact in our fans and the game of baseball. Our team is determined to to move forward, to play with intensity, and to bring back a championship to Houston in, in 2020. It almost felt like those guys were saying, hey, we're sorry we got caught. It felt like they were, you know, to, to go all Marshawn Lynch, 
They're only there so they don't get fined. Their owner, Jim Crane, pretty much told them, hey, you got to do something. If you remember, when they had their off-season convention, kind of like the Brewers on deck, uh, those guys spoke, and it, they came across really bad. And the owner, Jim Crane, said, you know, they're, they're going to have something better today. It's better to say when spring training opens. Well, they didn't. But Jim Crane was the worst. He was the absolute worst. So listen to this. You know, our opinion is, um, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, we had a good team. Um, we won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. I'm going to play that one more time for you. Listen very closely, because it's very obvious that he makes the statement that he feels like this didn't impact the game. He says that very clearly. You know, our opinion is, um, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, we had a good team. Um we won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. So he believes, based off that, that it did not impact the game. Well, obviously reporters there are going to follow up with that. Did you say you feel like this didn't impact the game? And what do you mean by that? I, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. Basically, <laughs> you know, as the commissioner said in his report, he's not going to go backwards. Um, it's hard to, to determine how it impacted the game, if it impacted the game, and that's what we're going to leave it. Jim, are you sure you didn't say that it didn't impact the game? You know, our opinion is, um, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. How, okay, how hard is it? And, and you know what? I said the exact same stuff when A.J. Hinch did his long-form interview on MLB Network last week. You don't have to bury the World Series championship to accept some accountability. It is very, very, very easy to say. Clearly, we did something that impacted the game. Unfortunately, we don't know if it impacted the game so much that that's what caused us to win the World Series in 2017. Our belief is that we were a really good team and we would have won that World Series no matter what, but we did something really dumb. It did impact things, and there's no way to prove whether or not it was the difference in winning or losing. How st how, how hard is that? How hard is it to say that? You're not throwing the World Series away. You're not saying that we didn't deserve to win it, but you're getting a little bit of accountability in there. It's this this press conference today was a joke. Was a joke, was a joke, was a joke. Zero. Zero accountability shown by anybody. And you could have a person who is a freshman in college and just took public relations 101 as a 19-year-old who was graduating from high school six months ago, and they could have told you that what the, what the press conference was today was a sham. Oh, my gosh. And Jim Crane was the worst. Shame on Jim Crane. He is an owner. He should be held to a higher standard. He should accept that anything that happens with the team comes back on him at the end of the day. And all he wanted to do was talk about how this didn't impact anything. And then he wanted to throw blame on the people who aren't even in the organization anymore in Lunau and Hinch. It was embarrassing. That is this week's edition of Going Deep. If you do want to join us, you can do so by uh, giving us a call, 
855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Let's go back to the phones. Welcome James in Milwaukee. Hey, James, thanks for calling. You're on WTMJ. Yeah, you were just ta- you were talking a while back about uh, Josh Hader uh, wanting six point uh, some million, and uh, Brewers only going to give him a little over four. What happens if Hader gets the that only a little over four? Do you think Hader's really going to how do you say put effort in, and uh, will he be around, uh, or do you feel that maybe he'll be they'll trade him uh, because he'll he'll be just. Uh, what do you want to call the word? This, uh, this, this, uh, no, I, I don't. I don't think how much he gets paid this year is going to impact his performance at all. And also, he's arbitration eligible for what another three years or so. You know, his his performance each year, unless he, the Brewers or if the Brewers were to move him another team, unless they were to sign him to a more long term deal, he'll continue to be arbitration eligible. Where his performance is going to directly connect to the salary that he's making. Uh, so, no, I, I don't think there's going to be any negative ramifications uh, in terms of him not wanting to be in Milwaukee or him kind of uh, you know, being upset about things yeah. so he's not going to perform as well. But I don't think it's a good situation. And look, it's already happened, so there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, yeah. how, how would you feel if – I don't know if you're what, what you do for a living, but how would you feel if you had to sit in a room with your superior and listen to them? tell somebody why you don't deserve to make the money that you want to make I'd, I'd, well I'd, I'd feel pretty bad you know just like you would feel pretty bad if they told you here here's your walking papers yeah absolutely and I appreciate the phone no nobody is as a human being I don't think we should go through that right like I don't want to be told why I don't there's a difference between constructive criticism right and hey this guy wants to make this amount of money but let us tell you why he's not worth that amount of money. It's just not a, It's not good. Not good at all. All right, if you want to join us, you can do so. 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Uh, Corbin Burns spoke with the media today. We'll pass along some of his comments that he made. To me, he is a big, big X factor in what the Brewers are going to be able to get from their pitching this year, whether it's starting pitching or relief pitching, Corbin Burns and his return to form is a really important storyline going in this year. We'll get to that next. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. More Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley coming up on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ. To me, one of the biggest storylines going into this season from a pitching standpoint is can Corbin Burns refine Corbin Burns? This past year, we know, last year, he had a it was a lost season. There were very few redeeming qualities out of what happened last year, and it was one of the more disappointing things that happened last season because he was coming off a year where he was really good when he made his Major League debut as a bullpen guy in the belief going into last year was he was going to take that next step forward, move into the rotation, and be somebody that you could count on every five days all season long. And he profiles as a starting pitcher. He doesn't profile as a relief pitcher. He profiles as a starter. Now, nothing worked last year. Relieving, starting, nothing worked. And they actually sent him down to Maryvale where they have this pitching lab now. And this is going to be one of the first tests on if the pitching lab is something that is going to work and help guys kind of find their best self. He met with the media today and kind of talked about how he moves forward from last season. 
Well, I, I didn't want to wipe the slate because uh, you know, the slider, of, as far as metrics go, is probably one of the better pitches in baseball. So for me, it was how can we take this slider, make everything around it better, and in turn make the slider better. So as far as wiping the slate clean, no, we didn't completely wipe it clean because we still have the slider um, to kind of go off. But as far as when we kind of sat down and looked at things and analytics and you know, that's how baseball is, um, you know, how can we make the slider better, but then entail make the other pitches better. Don't they say that the same about your fastball, that it's one of the more effective in terms of spin and it's special pitching. Yeah, yeah. I think last year, you know, things just kind of blended together as far as the slider and fastball go. It was a very similar look. Um, so it started almost kind of take away from, you know, they were starting to take away from each other, um, which never really got a hold of um, last year. So um, yeah, we, we, we reworked a lot of things this offseason that um, I think, think you guys will notice in spring games. So that's interesting. He basically said the slider and the fastball looked two alike last year, and it kind of morphed into just one single pitch, and he didn't have success with it. So what they're working on, when those pitches are at their best, they are both debilitating pitches. The question is, can you see, you know, pitching is about playing one pitch off another. You set up one pitch with this pitch. You keep guys off balance. They don't know what's going to be coming, so on and so forth. Like that, That's pitching, right? That's not just throwing, it's pitching. And him being able to really differentiate those two pitches and make them uh, work together is a huge part of what he's trying to do. And if he can refine himself and become the guy that we thought he was this time last year, that's a, that's a big boost for this team. One more break. We'll come back and we'll wrap up the program. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. More Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley coming up on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Starting to wrap up this edition of the program. We will not have a show next week. The Bucks are getting back at it. They come off the All-Star break and have their first game. And then we will have uh, Brewers Weekly the two weeks after that. Not sure if I'll be here. Maybe uh, Doug Russell or somebody else as uh, I continue to have some basketball play-by-play duties. But before you know it, we are going to be rolling into a baseball season. In fact, here's the schedule for the next week or so. So pitchers and catchers reported yesterday they had their first workout today. Position players are going to continue to kind of slowly make their way into Maryvale, but everybody has to report uh, by the 17th. That's Monday, and the first full squad workout is going to be next Tuesday, and then the first spring training game will be a week from Saturday on the 22nd. Many of those games will be heard here on WTMJ or on our sister station, 94.5 ESPN. The entire spring training broadcast schedule is available at the website at uh, WTMJ.com. Also, So just a little uh, tip for you. Keep an eye on the slam dunk contest coming up on Saturday. Don't be shocked if uh, if we might see a Christian Yelich sighting. Uh, There's been some stuff on Twitter. Uh, Pat Connaughton sent out a tweet uh, asking Christian Yelich to be there. So, and you know, that's probably kind of a, a setup sort of thing. So, if you're not a basketball fan or if you weren't, if that's not something that you normally watch, just know that there may. I, I've got no inside information on this. You just see the things on Twitter. Just know that Christian Yelich might be part 
of the NBA Slam Dunk Contest in Chicago uh, coming up this weekend. I guess that'd be on Saturday night. That's part of the NBA All-Star Saturday night before the actual NBA All-Star game on Sunday. All right, that is it for uh, this edition of Brewers Weekly. Thanks to Barry for uh, doing all the hard work, keeping us uh, on the air. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon for another edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. You've been listening to Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ.